Hello and welcome back to the Optimizing Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Marty Kendall. On this show, we take an engineering approach and speak to the experts about the insights into weight loss, fasting and nutrition, as well as real life people about their journey of nutritional optimization. Hello, Craig. Great to chat. This is Craig and Maria, but um, just Craig today. Great, great to have a yak again. And um, you had me on your YouTube a while back and we chat a fair bit in the background and shared a similar story over the over the years taking the journey together and um yeah yeah thanks for coming on to have a bit of a, a talk and tell us about your story and your learnings over the last 10 years or would you say you started out with all this uh thanks for having me on marty i appreciate it um no it's probably you know maria herself down this kind of path of learning about nutrition and everything over 20 years ago now and wow. you know, I kind of came over to the eating keto myself like I don't know 15 16 years ago or something because the uh, wife is cooking it you have to eat it exactly you know it's sort of like <laughs> slow transit you see that a lot with you know people is the, the the wife will come on board and then the guy will slowly be like okay what are you doing why are you looking so <laughs> why do you have so much energy I, I should probably eat a little better too this food's not too bad and I'll, I'll try it and check it out. And um, exactly. yeah, so Maria had her own issues that she was working through and dialed yeah. it in and it was a bit of a, a, a cafe chef and exploring different recipes. Is that right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, it was basically her just hacking herself and then figuring out, okay, I, I've got PCOS, I've got acid reflux and IBS, these digestive issues. Um, and, you know, you go to the doctor and then they offer you, okay, you want some antidepressant for your depression? And then she's like, I'm, I'm not depressed. I'm just sad that, <laughs> you know, I'm this or that. And, uh, you know, just n never once asking about nutrition, right? And yeah. uh, that uh, like a week later, our dog got sick. It was losing patches of its hair. So we took it yep. into the vet. And the very first question is, what are you feeding it? Right? And <laughs> for itself, being like back to back like that, it was like, wow, you know, this is weird, right? Like, shouldn't that be the first question for humans too, right? <laughs> and, you know, so, and she went to school, uh, college for uh, nutrition and exercise science. And uh, most of the nutrition was, you know, basically the food pyramid and, you know, that mm -hmm. kind of talk. And she's like, okay, well, I'm, I'm already doing all that right? I'm eating healthy whole grains and I'm eating, you know, low fat and, you know, all this stuff. And she wasn't losing the weight. She wasn't fixing her issues. So she just started researching on her own. And that's mm -hmm. kind of what led her on this path of, oh, low carb. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Let's, you know, dive deeper into that. And as she started changing things on herself, you know, her, her IBS went away, her acid reflux went away. She lost the extra weight she had and her PCOS reversed. So, you know, everybody was asked, started asking, what are you doing? <laughs> like, oh, you look great. Kind you know, <laughs> of that. that word of mouth that is so huge in this community, I think. Uh, and that's where it all started. I mean, to this day, we pride ourselves in that we've never paid a dollar for advertising, not a single dollar of advertising from the time we started then all the way to now. It's just always word of mouth. And you've developed a really vibrant following community. And yeah. we were chatting about just the, effort it takes to put into the community to make yeah. you know to, to work with people and help people and develop relationships and they trust you and 
Yeah. You've just built such a massive following over the years. But, you know, yeah. And that's really important, you know, that, you know, we, from the beginning, we're always like, okay, we're only going to promote and do what we believe in, like 100%. Like, mm. we're not going to, you know, people don't like it when you sell out or start, you know, p- pushing stuff that maybe don't align with your principles, right? Mm. And so we've always been very, that was like number one importance to us is that, you mm. know, align with things that fit your principles and fit the science. You know, that that's kind of mm. the foundation too that i think a lot of people our followers really appreciate is that we're not dogmatic about things if if we see evidence that points to something different mm. we're gonna change our views right we're gonna shift yeah. our views we're gonna update things and, and and go with what works best and you're a bit like me you're an electrical engineer and you've sort of been learning along with maria and working out how it all fits together and and you know we've all learned a lot over the last especially five years or so yeah of how it works and I'm going from, you know, this low carb keto thing to understanding, you know, what, what the ketones do, what the insulin do, what does protein do, what is satiety, what is nutrient density. So it's been a, a fun journey. Um, I, I was trawling your Amazon page and um, it's like 20 books, did you say? It's, it's yeah, I think there are. Yeah, that's not, is that on Kindle? Oh, yeah, it's on Kindle. Switch it to on the top there switch it to regular books and it'll be uh in the search even more or yeah i mean yeah those are uh all most of our published books aren't showing up there for some reason yeah scroll down then they're all <laughs> those are all the published ones um it's, uh, absolutely epic. and then the second second page of it yeah these are the older um, ones that we self-published and some and you started out just with a little pamphlet that you were giving to your friends and yeah. started selling it and yeah we started selling it with you know on the cover it said you know all proceeds to fund our adoption and you know friends and family and whatnot bought it but a lot of people bought it and saw results and so they're like hey you know started spreading by word of mouth beyond you know family and friends um and that's where everything kind of started it's it's looking back it's it's crazy to think that we're that started from has grown to what it is today. Yeah, wow. And you were saying you lost your job and yeah, in the adoption process sort of halted and you had to go, well, how do we make money yeah. from this to uh, so we can adopt the boys? We were discussing that before it started. But yeah, so basically the uh, what happened was in 2007, the downturn, uh, I lost my job and um, that was – we were already about a year into our adoption process and that kind of puts everything on hold. Right. And so that's where this whole initiative started of her writing this first cookbook was to fund our adoption. And so she started people around her that were asking, cause they saw all the success she had at that point already with this low carb lifestyle, uh, started asking her what she was doing. So she started just, you know, individually helping people and giving them, sending them her little recipes. And they're like, you should put these in a book. And we like, that's a great way to fund your adoption. So we're like, all right. And we self-published this little kind of thing. And yeah, for funding the adoption. And it definitely helped uh, with the adoption. I got a job and we started moving forward again with the adoption and all that process. But that was the nexus for, for Maria to kind of go from, you know, but at the time, she was like, uh, she was working at a camp here, Camp St. Croix, and she was a rock climbing guide and uh, outdoors kind of person. And then uh, that was the transition for her, her to being this sort of 
author and, and what she is today. So, so she was a, a cook, uh, sort of a chef back then and playing this oh, recipe. Not a chef. No, she was just, uh, she was a rock climbing guide and she guided kids camping oh, wow. trips and all that kind of stuff. She just always liked to cook and, and for what I, I don't know if she has a latent chemistry, uh, <laughs> you know, it, background or something I don't know about, but when it comes to in the kitchen, she uh, better than anybody I've ever known can yeah. uh, look at ingredients and substitute ingredients in ways yep. that improve the nutrient profile and improve the macro macro profile. And yet, you know, still keep the same flavors and textures. The perfect example is her, her uh, hard boiled egg pudding, which is yeah. hold up. You can use the whole hard boiled egg or you can use just the egg whites, yep. make it a protein sparing type of, of yep. chocolate pudding. And there's other variations. There's banana, there's, you know, all these different flavors. Uh, it's amazing. People can, she, she did that recipe live with uh, Holly Berry for a promotion and, and she couldn't believe She's like, Maria, I'm not eating hard-boiled eggs. <laughs> like, Just try it, please. And she loved it. So, Yeah. yeah. The, the association with Hale Berry probably hasn't harmed your uh, notoriety as well. So, no, yeah, no, crazy. definitely not. That's for sure. She's yeah. a sweetheart, and we are blessed to have in, her uh, support for sure. Yeah, well, so did you ever go back to engineering after that, or you've sort of been in the background helping with the yeah. website? And... So in 2007, I went back to engineering after I got a new job, and just in the background was, you know, helping get our website. Maria wanted to do a blog. Okay, well, let's get a blog going, see what this is. You know, this is, you know, again, 16 years ago or something, uh, or 14 years ago, I guess. Uh, but anyway, um, and then keeping books and, you know, just basically running the back end of the business so she could focus on helping mm. clients and, and doing that kind of stuff. Uh, and then uh, I think it was, I can't remember the year. I think it wanted, I want to say 12, no, it'll be about 11 years ago. So like three years later, uh, it just got to the point where her business, you know, again, uh, using my statistics or not statistics, but just you know, data, data driven. I'm like, okay, I'm going to put together graphs. And I got like, here's the growth of, you know, unique visitors on our blog and here's the business, how it's looking. So I had all this data. I'm like, you know what, hon? I think if instead of going 60 hours a week into an office and commuting, you know, to an hour each way and all of that. And then on top of that, you know, 15, 20 hours a week, keeping the blog going and all that. If I just focused my time and effort on this, I think we could grow it and make up any difference. Right. And Sure enough, it worked out. <laughs> it worked <laughs> out. Like my projections said it would. So yeah, that's great. And um, and then you wrote pretty much uh, with yeah. Maria, but yeah, you were definitely. the main author on keto. You wrote literally wrote the book on keto back in was it nineteen ninety eight? So um, yeah, yeah sort of encapsulating all your learnings that you'd made over the years, and sort of trying to clarify. I think a lot of misconceptions at the same time in the book from what I read to try and there's so much as keto exploded I've got another graph of you know the keto explosion from 17 to um, you know January 2019 it sort of went off and there's so many versions of keto and beliefs about keto and you sort of thought you'd write the book on keto to sort of consolidate what you'd learnt to that point 
Is it yeah. pretty much how it rolled out? And, and what yeah, were you know, at, did you want to communicate? Yep. At this point in time, on the timeline, we had put us, I think, four or five cookbooks with, with the publisher at that point. Um, and in that time, you know, I was, uh, pull, I had pulled away, like I discussed, and I was focusing on this. So my engineering background said, okay, well, if I'm going to be in this business, I got to learn it, right? And so yeah. I di started diving into all the studies and science and information I could get my hands on, you know, being able to dedicate full time to it and, you know, learned a lot. And then it came to about, I'm going to say about six years ago, where there was kind of this nexus. And yeah. part of it was finding your group, right? And all the the, the smart people that were in the group mm. sharing ideas yeah. and information and studies. And I started learning all this, you know, like I said, maybe five, six years ago through your group and other sources. And I thought, you know what? I see a kind of shift happening in this space, right? There's like, yeah. there's this kind of old, where it kind of started out with the surge of this, you know, therapeutic kind of keto where you got to mm. fat bombs and do, you know, bulletproof coffee and all this. But in, in the learning I was doing on, on your group and others mm. kind of shifted the mindset of that. And, and it reminded us of, where we saw success year, you know, 10 years prior to that with Maria's clients. And that was like pure, pure protein days and these mm -hmm. things that she had coined, which is basically, you know, kind of like a protein sparing day now. But mm -hmm. she, at the time, she just knew that if I just lever leverage protein, limit my, my fuels, you're going to get faster results. Mm -hmm. And that combined with the science I was learning, you know, about protein and about, you know, prioritizing it uh, through optimizing nutrition and other groups there was this kind of cosmic shift in our direction back to, you know what? Yeah. yeah. Therapeutic doesn't work as well. And it doesn't work as well for us either. Yeah. Let's go back to the, what works. And yeah. we then shifted back. And this book was kind of the cornerstone of that shift. I would call it because I yeah. did leverage a lot of information. I, I, I mentioned you and I mentioned Mike Julian, who yep. probably got sick of me during that time period. <laughs> You know, yeah, we talked last time about how much Mike Julian has taught both of us and yeah. insights. Like you, you talk about Maria being gifted in understanding how to create food. Mike just understands metabolism in a real yeah. non-dogmatic way and pieces together all the studies and just keeps leaving the breadcrumbs for people to understand. And like a year later, you go, oh, I understand what Mike was banging on about and it all sort of comes together and... Yeah, it's been fascinating to, it to, yeah, to it, leverage off that. I so was, uh, kudos to Mike. Private messaging him, you know, for in around that five, six years ago time frame. Yeah. Just, you know, late at night, I'm like, oh, what about this? What about, do you have a study on this? And I, you know, <laughs> next day I read the study and come back and talk, you know, and all that, a lot of that, you know, that interaction and the reading and the studies at that time, five, six years ago, is what went into writing that keto book, right? Mm -hmm. And the first, three or four chapters I wrote based on that biology and understanding that I, I mm. learned. Mm. Um, so what do you think the biggest misconceptions are in the keto space, like that you tried to define then and, you know, we've chatted and I know you find a lot of frustration still with, you know, differentiating between therapeutic keto, which is meant for people yeah. with epilepsy, Alzheimer's, dementia, not weight loss um, versus, you know, most people are coming into keto for, weight loss, improved metabolic health, diabetes management. So it's just this ongoing debate that 
it's sort of nice that I've checked out of it a bit. I've written the book on big fat keto lies and, and walked away to go, um, yeah, I just want to look after people that want to listen and that's a really nice place to be. But so many years of debating and it's just so much gnashing of teeth and confusion and belief systems yeah. and dogma and camps and, you know, what, where are you at with that and what would you like to communicate and and let people realize probably a long chat you know yeah it's a long chat uh you know, <laughs> it's uh it's kind of interesting that like let me just grab it because it's right here but uh our keto book i i loved your your book when it came out oh thank you because it, it it just hammered home even more you know i i don't think we can say enough about those myths <laughs> <laughs> that are just permeating things but yeah. you know this was you know the common mistakes section yeah and i just tried to hit on the top ones at that time you know that i saw yeah. as issues you know number one is uh it's all about hormones and calories don't matter mm. right that was the number one myth we debunked uh the next myths uh thyroid issues require additional Carbohydrates. I, I mm. talked about how that's not really the root cause in that case. Not all fat is absorbed when you eat keto. So that was a you know that whole eat lots of fat, it won't get absorbed, mm. it'll go right through you, right? And magic, uh, magic fat. Exactly. Uh, eating fat during a fast doesn't break your fast. Uh, high blood ketones equals nutritional ketosis. Yeah. So breaking down the whole ketone thing. Higher ketones are better. It's another. Yeah. I mean. A lot of the you know exogenous ketones, if you're stalled, add more fat. Like mm. these were the myths that you know yeah. five years ago. I'm like, okay, this is going to be the nail in the coffin, right, for these things, and here we are. <laughs> <laughs> we're still banging on about it. Oh all yeah, the and, still and the a lot of confusion. Is, and well, the problem is there's a lot of there's certain uh, factions like you know Dave Asprey. He's got a whole industry, you know of profit and whatever coming in off of bulletproof coffee and guess what he's not going to stop promoting the bulletproof coffee no matter what the sign says <laughs> he's a very good salesman yes uh, I, I believed him for a number of years until i went no no dave i think just you know pure fat with no nutrients is probably not going to get me where i want to go exactly and you know i just look at it as uh you know the most fundamental thing i want to say to the people like that or other people who want to promote these MCT uh, challenges where you add a bunch of MCT oil all day and all of these uh, angles, uh, bad ideas really in the mm. keto space. Um, what I want to say is where does that fat go? I mean, it's a very basic fundamental question, right? I'm eating all this fat. Where does it go? Mm. And you can see study after study that says very little goes out the stool. Like mm. there's one study I like to look at it buried the dietary fat from like 60 grams of fat a day to 158 grams of fat a day. And the fecal output of, of, uh, fat was constant, did not change. And was always less than 10 grams, usually around like five to mm. eight grams of fat in the stool. Wow. Okay. So it doesn't change. It gets absorbed. That's the only other option, right? Uh, and unless you too much bulletproof coffee and well, MCT, and I just right. get like diarrhea, and it's like, well, that's not the way so I want to live for the long term. That's extra grams going out that way. That's what happens when a few extra grams of fat goes out that way, right? Like the old yeah. Lestra, you know, the yeah. lean chips. Remember those? That it was a fat that wasn't digested. 
That's and crazy. you get another, you know, five to 10 grams of fat going out the stool and you have uncontrollable stool. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. the idea well, that really you, do, you can't digest fat and it just, you know, what are they call it? Uncontrolled diarrhea. It may be yep. a side effect. It's like, oh, sign me up for that one. <laughs> exactly. So, so, so that's, you know, the, the, the people that say it goes right through you. Well, if you're eating 90 grams of fat and you think that's going right through you, holy cow, you're, you're not getting off the toilet all day. Like yeah. that's not going to be yeah. good for you. Uh, so yeah. it's not doing that. You know, you'd get very immediate, like, MC, you know, overdoing MCT oil. You're going to get pretty immediate results. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so then the other option is where does it go? It gets digested, right? Yeah. And it ends up in the bloodstream. So once it's in the bloodstream, you better hope it goes to your fat cells, right? Because what are the other options? High triglycerides, if it just sits yeah. in the blood. Uh, if it's not going into the fat cells, it's got to be burned, but it's just displacing burning your own fat for fuel if you're doing that. Mm. And then the only other place it's got to go is organ fat, eptoc yeah. you know, fat, like you don't want it to, you hope it goes to your fat cells, right? That's yeah. the best and possible. All that fat around your liver and your pancreas and your yeah. heart is metabolic syndrome. So you're just loading up all this extra dietary fat and loading the gun for worsening metabolic syndrome because somebody told you that you needed higher ketones, so you needed to eat higher fat. And, you know, people just go, ketones my end goal. And it's just a recipe of disaster for a lot of people. Yeah. I think initially it might help people transition to a more satiating diet, but eventually they've got to go, okay, I need nutrients and less energy, which is where the protein's very modified fast and yeah. protein leverage and all that sort of comes in. Um, so do you guys, have you ever advocated for chasing ketones or been in the ketone oh, yeah. game or like how, how, how have your views changed? I think we've all yeah. seen changed. Uh, you know, like we mentioned like six seven, six, seven years ago when we first started publishing books with the publisher, maybe eight years ago, um, there was the pe one of the people we published our first book with was very much on that train. And so they, that book was very much in that, you know, more fat, you know, therapeutic level kind of thing. Mm. And, uh, you know, that's where I started to learn and we started to shift away from that. Right. Mm. So there was definitely a couple of books there that were kind of in that realm. Uh, mm. but then we tried to, not only do we correct ship, especially with the keto book, but the, the, uh, our cleanse book and our quick and easy book, I think one other, we went back and updated them. And so, you wow. know, didn't have to do this, but we went back and did revisions to correct the information in those. Uh, that was probably three or four years ago now. So we made sure that those were corrected as well. So how did you come to the point that you realized that you had to go back and correct it because it was so important to not be promoting ketone chasing? Uh, right around the time the, the keto book came out, right? Yeah. We had put all this information together and we're like, okay, we got this book out there now. We should really go back and update you know, some of the information and the other stuff too. Yeah, that, that's really impressively gutsy of you because there's so many industries that have grown up really around keto yeah. and ketone chasing that are going to be really hard to turn around because there's massive investment money in them and like exogenous ketones that really every every keto guru was a affiliate for uh, yeah. keto OS for a while there and yeah. making a killing off that and telling everybody just 
what was it? Adam Nally said, you know, increase your ketones by whatever means possible, which is, you know, here's my link for the oh, keto OS so you can, you know, dump in more ketones, get your ketones high. And yeah, it's just, yeah, and especially crazy, but we were all sort of trying that on and believing. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Well, especially the keto products. I think that's the thing that's never going away. I mean, there's Duncan Hines keto frosting and stuff now, you know, that you can buy out there, right? Uh, <laughs> So I think we're implanted with that. But the problem is, and, and this is something that Marie and I have been consist consistent with from the beginning as well, is that always eat, always focus on nutrient-dense whole foods. Mm. Like that's been a found foundation for from the mm. beginning, even before we knew the word keto. You know, that was a foundation that we always had uh, with people and with mm. ourselves. Um, and so that's kind of where a lot of this, you know, to us too, this bulletproof coffee and whatnot, we're like, you know, I started putting charts together on where the nutrients are, right? And uh, I got these ones where it's like protein and beef liver against, you know, kale or blueberries or whatever the, mm. the charts I made for our keto book. And I, you, you throw up the same chart, which I did in our post about bulletproof coffee about, uh, gosh, four years ago or something, a uh, chart of, you know, eggs or just a steak versus mm. a bulletproof coffee. And, and yeah. where the nutrients are. There's like nothing in there. There's no vitamins and minerals in a bulletproof coffee. MCT oil is actually got basically zero of everything. And yeah. sugar has more vitamins and minerals than MCT <laughs> oil. I did a chart on it. Um, you know, cane sugar has more vitamins and minerals. So uh, that's yeah. where this, you know, aligned us too, is that, you know, this can't be right. Like yeah. nutrient dense whole foods is the way to go. Yeah, and you're an engineer like me, so once you see the numbers, the data, you believe yeah. the data and you're trained to believe the data and yeah. you're still susceptible to dogma and bias and groupthink, but yeah. a little bit less, hopefully. And, and you know, it's been fun to follow the data and nutrient density and satiety and just opened up a whole new world potentially of hopefully the next frontier of nutrition, which is really Yeah, hopefully. Um, yeah so in terms of satiety and nutrient density of, of protein versus fat there's still this faction of fats more satiating and you know protein still bad and how do you how do you find the balance point i suppose as an engineer you realize that optimal is not at the extremes there's sort of a midpoint there where you find the optimal yeah. for you and it's not necessarily swing to one extreme or the other with yeah. the latest fad uh, you know what are your thoughts there on satiety and nutrient density of, of, of protein versus fat well i mean you know there's a there's a group that you're right that are really kind of in this it's all about the fat still in and it's kind of in these carnivore groups and whatnot that i've, I've seen some of these circles where they're they they focus a lot on adding lots and lots of fat and mm. you know i guess you know, if you're, if you're only eating animal proteins and that's your only source of energy, uh, you know, cause you're not eating any carbohydrates. Okay. You need extra fat if, mm -hmm. if fat loss isn't your goal. Right. And if, especially if you have ther a therapeutic goal, which is, mm -hmm. um, you know, bipolar disorder, mm -hmm. Alzheimer's, you know, seizure control, mm -hmm. you might need to up the fat a bit mm -hmm. for those situations. But our position is always has been is, you know, if, you want to burn more fat off the body, lower it in the diet. Right. And so I, I don't see that as it's like, 
even even to the extremes like you talked about with carnivore in our carnivore cookbook we started it out by saying what's your why why are you doing this if if your why is you know seizure control uh you know bipolar disease lyme disease like it was for me mm. then okay let's try it as a as a tool and it's kind of an ultimate elimination diet at that point we called mm. it the carnivore autoimmune protocol mm. and you go down to beef and salt and then you slowly add things back in to see what you can tolerate and use it as an, an elimination kind of diet yeah um if it's just weight loss and whatever general health okay then mix it up, add different proteins, add different things, you know, to get a eggs and stuff to get to a better nutritional profile. But then it's all about protein to energy, mm. right? It's we sorted all the proteins in that book by protein to energy ratio. So you, if your weight loss is the goal, just move up the chart to yeah. the cuts with the higher protein energy. Yeah. If weight loss isn't a goal, then move down. Um, yeah. It's really kind of the simplest diet on the planet at that point. <laughs> yeah, and I think the magic of the carnivore like you said, is a autoimmune. It eliminates most of the things that trigger a negative autoimmune response for people who've got some level of gut permeability. But you're also getting bioavailable protein. The protein you're eating is incredibly bioavailable. So people go, it's the magic animal uh, f fat that I'm eating, and they start to worship that. But it's like, no, okay, it's, the, it's really the protein, the bioavailable protein that's giving you satiety. And once you get to that point and then stall out, the next step is to go, okay, I need adequate protein but not too much energy. Like you said, if you want body fat to be burnt and to use the body fat, a little less dietary fat. And yeah. yeah. It's not the most, you know, fat and carbs spike dopamine and carbs and fat together spike even more dopamine. So yeah. we, we fall in love with fat and we it's a struggle to relinquish that belief that fat is magical but uh well who doesn't like butter said otherwise unfortunately and, yeah <laughs> but yeah no it's it's uh one of the things is um I, you know those people that are doing that they're still getting a decent amount of protein because they're mostly mm -hmm. carnivores so they're you look at them they're probably getting 90 grams of protein or something for a, a woman that's not very tall mm -hmm. you know that's a, they're at least getting adequate protein yeah. They're yeah. just adding a lot of fat on top of it. And um, I mean, to, for me, if what, what I think gets lost in that discussion all the time is what's more satiating, it's mm. calorie for calorie. And then, yeah. I th I, then if you set it in that context, I don't think there's a question, yeah. right? Like calorie for calorie, what is more satiating? Yeah, I can sit down and yeah, I have these... I see on Instagram, they have meat cookies, they call them, and they, they have a coating about yay thick of butter on the top. Yep. Their meat cookie, their, their hamburger, and there's a bunch of those, and that's what they're eating. Well, yeah, yeah you get really satiated because you just ate yeah. like 2,000 calories. <laughs> you know? So you, those three cups of blood are really satiating, yeah, but that was 3,000 calories. And exactly, that's exactly. And so I look at it as if you go calorie for calorie, there's no question. You sit down with, I mean, you could sit down with like a 12 ounce filet of cod or whatever. That's a big piece. Like you're going to get mm. sick of eating that. And yeah. what is that? 400 calories or something? Yeah. Like not even 300. So yeah. I think what happens is they end up seeing this volume of food they're eating. Like they eat that protein, a leaner protein, and then they got to eat a leaner protein later. And then maybe again, like when they're used to only eating maybe once or twice. And it's like, yeah, but 
count it up for the day. Okay, for the day you're still yeah. eating half the calories and staying satiated. Yeah. Yeah, they have to eat three meals a day to be satiated and they feel hungry with this high protein, lean protein. But like you say, it, it's so much less actual calories that they're consuming. Right. And we've had the luxury of having access to all this data that enables you to analyze satiety per calorie, how much do people eat when yeah. they prioritize different nutrients, macronutrients, micronutrients, and it's just really clear that the more nutrition, the more protein, the more you get a leveraging effect on satiety. So if you just prioritize nutrient-dense, higher protein percentage food, um, you end up more satiated and less yeah. consumed by food. So how do you avoid the extremes? How do you, like I know you're a massive proponent of protein spring modified fast in some instance, but like that's really hard to stick to. So how do you find sort of ratchet up from where you are now towards optimal? You sort of do a couple of days of protein spring modified fast with a sort of normal low carb diet the other days, or how do you balance yeah. that with the clients? Yeah, we like protein sparing as a tool a lot. Um, but you know, it's a, it's a tool, you know, Lyle, when he came out with his book on protein sparing, I mean, it's, it's pretty extreme. You're doing it every day. For, yeah. It's, it's, uh, pretty radical to, to dive into that, but we thought, you know, let's take some of the principles and mix it mm. in to make it something people can use as a tool mm. and use it more often. Uh, by more often, I mean, you know, you could do one to maybe three days in a week of protein sparing, and then the next week do one more day and the next mm. week do one more day. So it's something, it's a tool you could add in as needed. Mm. Versus something you're you have to do this you know two or three weeks straight of this uh, mm. you know crazy low energy uh, and then we also if if you're doing it regularly so if you're every week you're adding a protein sparing day we also say to add an overfeeding day as well which is basically just you know eating at maintenance type calories yep. for a day keep the metabolism honest and all that yeah. Yeah, um, we find with the data-driven fasting, it works really well if people test their blood sugars and their blood sugars are a little bit elevated and mm. they're really hungry. They just prioritize protein because they know they've got plenty of energy on board. Yeah. And that actually tends to drop blood sugars. And when they get hungry later on in the day, they can eat more to satiety and maybe a bit more fat, maybe even a bit more carbs, depending on what their goals are and how low their blood sugars are. And, um, yeah, sure. that sort of works. So I suppose it's a matter of finding, not swinging from... 10% protein to 60% protein, which is yeah. just really unbearably painful because you get hungry because you're eating so few calories and you can't eat enough energy and your body's crying out for energy. It's just sort of how do you find that yeah. balance point that's sustainable? You're not doing a three-week fast. You're doing a sustainable lifestyle because you want to get into a routine and habits that will last for the long term. Well, that's, that's where we uh, think it's so powerful is because um, a lot of people – you know, it, it, let's let's reset. It, it depends on where you start out as well, very much, right? Uh, we have a, a client who he's started out at 645 pounds. Right? Mm. There's going to be a long ways before his body is what you said is energy starved, right? I mean, he, well, you know, to be truthful, definitely do protein sparing almost every day as long yeah. as he, you know keeps metabolism honest with overfeeding for extended periods, you know. Yeah, and he has been. Um, but you know, somebody's 30 pounds from their goal weight. Yeah. Okay. This is going to be, it's going to be harder to do protein sparing, you know, mm -hmm. and, and it's going to be, 
maybe a tool you use less frequently because mm. you know you you're going to be uh, starving your body a little bit for energy because it doesn't have a ton of energy to pull from from its own mm. fat stores. I mean, and we mm. never tell people like at goal weight to do protein sparing days. I mean, that would, you know, the, the purpose is to speed up you know fat loss, right? Mm. Yeah, because um, all, all you need is nutrients if you've got plenty of stored energy if you've got plenty of glucose stored in your blood you need a little less carbohydrate in your diet if you get plenty of body fat you just need a little less dietary fat and what yeah. are you left with protein vitamins minerals amino acids yeah. free uh you know omega-3 and that's what you need to prioritize and let the body pull the energy and yeah and that's where we're positioning this a lot too is is you know instead of doing a 36 hour fast or a 48 hour fast where you might start losing lean mass or, you know, from a water fast, right? So instead of water fasting for two days, and then, uh, you know, a lot of times people will feed, refeed then with, you know, more calories mm. at that point. Yeah. Why not just do a protein sparing day and then you yeah. don't have to refeed and then you, know, you stay satiated during those yeah. days, get your protein, get your nutrients. Mm. You know, it's just, it's a, I think it's a really good alternative to uh, extended fasting. Yeah, because you're never going to get enough protein over the extended fasting if you do it forever and then people end up being skinny fat. Um, you've talked a lot about oxidative priority lately, you and Maria, and uh, you know how has that understanding changed your approach to nutrition? And, and yeah, that just be interesting to unpack that journey. And, yeah, it's, it, yeah. for me it's been a real revelation to and it's influenced my thinking on how to optimize nutrition uh yeah definitely it's you know it was one of those key building blocks that kind of went into the writing the book keto uh you know oxidative priority was one of those key fundamental understandings of the body how the body works and how it, uh, you know losing body fat is all about understanding energy metabolism right mm -hmm. and understanding how your body deals with energy and and releases energy and all that kind of stuff and oxidative priority is one of the key uh principles of the body or, or properties of the body for delving uh, out priority of mm. things you eat right um i i like to think of it as a like a, do a lot of car analogies kind of i wasn't a huge car, car guy, guy but uh I, I like the analogies for some reason um but you know i i like to think of it as uh you know, your blood, your blood vessels are like the fuel lines on a car, right? You don't ever want to run the engine too rich and blow it up. So you don't want to give too much fuel to the engine. And so you tightly control how much fuel's in that fuel line, right? And, mm. and same thing happens in the body. It likes to really tightly control the amount of fuel in the blood at any given time. Mm. And it's not much, right? Mm. I, I, I think I added it up with between uh, at, at, a, at rest for a typical person the glucose, free fatty acids, and ketones in the blood at any given time is less than 100 calories, I think. Yeah. So yeah. you got less than 100 calories flowing around your entire blood volume. Yeah. And then when you eat this meal of, you know, 1,000 calories of, you know, protein, fat, and whatever in it, um, mm. the body's got to prioritize because you get, you're getting flood with, flooded with energy. Mm. And so it's got yeah. to prioritize what it – stores and what what it burns at that point right it's it's, it's all about prioritizing fuels for burn these now and i'll store these for later mm -hmm. uh and how it does it is basically opposite order of storage capacity mm -hmm. body fat is basically unlimited storage capacity right like uh most amazing thing i don't want to embarrass him if he's on but 
I won't say his name. Uh, the, the man who is 645 pounds, he's doing amazing. He's lost over 125 pounds, I think. But he uh, he was not – his A1C was 5.6. Yeah. And fasting glucose was 90 at five, oh, 645 pounds because he could, uh, I, I assume, you know, genetically, he's making new fat cells. So his fat cells yeah. never get stuffed and over inflamed. You know, he's gifted with a very, very high yeah. personal fat threshold that he can just keep on building um, you know, adipose tissue without becoming adding visceral fat to the point that you get yeah. metabolically deranged. So you're sort of gifted that you're probably still healthy at five or six hundred pounds which is crazy but it's, a, it's amazing metabolically you know what's happening yeah. there that's and you know in so in that case again theoretically uh fat storage is unlimited mm -hmm. you literally have millions of calories stored away in fat so body's like that's the biggest storage capacity it's the easiest to store store that fat away whenever mm -hmm. you can if you've got higher priority fuels right and that's why fats last but then you go up the chain and you start talking about uh, you know, things like well, protein, it doesn't really get burned of it as a fuel unless there's no other fuels around basically. Mm. Uh, and then carbohydrates and then ketones and then, uh, alcohol because yeah. alcohol has got to be the number one priority because there's no place to store it. Yeah. So again, it kind of inverse, uh, in inversely with storage capacity, fat, huge storage capacity. So that one's last, uh, alcohol, zero storage capacity. That's gotta be first, right? So I got to burn the alcohol first because I have no place to store it. Mm. And too much alcohol in the blood means you can die. So mm. the body starts burning alcohol. And while you're drinking those alcoholic drinks, you have a couple of, uh, you know, snacks and all that fat and whatever gets stored because mm. his body's dealing with the alcohol. So it, it kind of explains certain things about energy and, and weight loss for sure. Yeah. I, I find it really fascinating. And if you've got, high glucose diabetes type 2 diabetes your body's not going to be burning the fat because there's heaps of glucose in your in your bloodstream so you've got to bring that down so it makes sense to like wait a little long between meals and maybe wait until your blood sugar drops and drop your carbohydrate a little bit so you're off the roller coaster but at that point once you've cleared the glucose in your bloodstream it can then start tapping into your stored fat but to keep on adding more dietary fat at that point is also ridiculous if you want to lose body fat so it's just like the aha moment of unpacking yeah. how the human metabolism works and how to dial in nutrition and macros it's not just about adding more fat so it's not fat versus carbs it's like okay let's understand how your dual fueled metabolism works and how to optimize it depending on where you're at and how to leverage it. And, and that's the thing we put out a recent YouTube video called insulin resistance and how to shrink your fat cells. Um, you know, that was the other big kind of big aha along with oxidative priority is the whole insulin model of, uh, you know, how insulin resistance essentially starts in the fat cells, right? The whole personal fat threshold. That was kind of the other foundational thing. I think back then mm -hmm. that set things in motion in this direction, right? Cause mm -hmm. once you understand that, you, having fat cells overstuffed and inflamed causes the, the insulin resistance and the mm. metabolic syndrome to, to start happening. Uh, what's the goal now, right? You want to reverse that insulin resistance? You got to shrink the fat cells. That's mm. prim primary, you know, priority. Mm. Number two should be maintaining or growing your, your muscle, mm. right? Because you give glucose more place to go. 
So mm. now in that context, what makes sense to do for your macros? Up the protein and lower the fat, right? I mean, it, that's kind of... It's a no-brainer once you understand it in that context. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you just need to remove the upstream fuel so you can lose body fat while giving your body enough nutrients to be satiated, not having all these crazy cravings that drive you to overeat. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, there was a question from somebody. Uh, if mm -hmm. you're going to enjoy one to two glasses of wine, how would you do it on an empty stomach without eating or while drinking wine? Would you have it basically, would you have it separate from dinner or before dinner or? Yeah. I, you know, everybody's, it depends on your goals and how committed you are and all that kind of stuff. You know, if you still want to have a couple of drinks and you're not worried too much about slowing down weight loss a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I guess, uh, at the end of the day, the bigger priority overall is your, you know, how much of a deficit you're in. Right. Mm. This, this kind of explains what's happening at the meal level, right? If you have a drink with a bunch of food and carbs and protein and fat explains you know, how it's prioritizing and dealing with that stuff. But at the end of the day, you know, if you're still in a deficit overall and you've got activity mm. level that's up, you know, that's what's most important. Yeah. Um, but alcohol also can uh, mess with hormones like testosterone. And so, it, you know, you, what I wouldn't want anybody to do is have a couple of drinks and then go lift weights. That's not a good solution because uh, your testosterone uh, goes down with uh, alcohol consumption and that wow. can affect, uh, you know, muscle building and all that. So. Yeah, after getting a couple of drinks <laughs> yeah yeah reading in the book you basically from your research gave up beer completely which was a big yeah. love for, for you yeah. I, I a, um a drinking man's diet that was pre-atkins <laughs> that was fascinating that was basically alcohol and steak and i think <laughs> if you're going to drink a lot of alcohol then not that it's recommended but um i don't think you want fat and carbs in the mix you need to have to decrease your downstream fuel so you can burn off the alcohol and then get enough protein. But it's alcohol is basically another high oxidative priority jet fuel for your body that it has to clear first. And, exactly. Um, it's just another fuel that doesn't give you a lot of nutrients. And yep. like you said, it depends how committed you are to optimizing your health and dialing yeah. in that last fine tuning. We actually, if, if people really want to lose weight, we, we don't, we tell all of our clients do not drink your calories. It's, it's chewing food just registers satiety better. There's lots of studies on this of how it you know registers leptin and satiety when you chew your food instead of drinking a smoothie or a shake or a bulletproof coffee or alcohol. Like those calories, uh, never going to register satiety like whole food. So mm. yeah, well, everybody wants to push their keto products that are magical for this is what you can eat or drink for weight loss. But it's like no, 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 you have to you know real food in the form it came in and the, with the nutrients and ratios, just do something in your brain that your brain understands that, you know, hyper palatable, hyper processed food doesn't. Um, so what are the most common things you see people come to you as clients? You do a lot of weight loss, nutrition, consulting one-on-one -on -one from the nutrition gurus and you have to sort of unpick, unpack those belief systems that have become ingrained from the, whatever community they're in. Uh, still probably the number one by far is just adding fat to, to get to some percentage. Uh, mm. I, I'm just surprised that to this day that nine times out of 10 clients that are new to us, that's going to be their issue, 
right off mm. the bat is they're trying to get to 70% fat or they're, you know, they're being told that I'm supposed to eat the fattiest cuts of meat, like ribeyes and everything and eat till I full every time yeah. I eat, just eat till I'm full. These very fatty cuts. Fat, fat to satiety. I believe fat to satiety for a while until I looked at the yeah. data and I was like, mm, no, no, fat's yeah. not satiating. And that's, that's what uh, you, I would say far and away, that's the biggest misconception that they have to be keto. I've got to hit a certain amount of dietary fat. Mm. My, my point on that always is, are you keto when you eat nothing? Yeah. You're the most ketogenic when you eat nothing. So yeah. you don't need to have fat in the diet to be keto. You just have to cut carbs, right? Yeah. Um, and where do you want that fat to be coming from? Where do you want the ketones to be yeah. made from? Is it your body fat or the, you know, cup of lard and the bulletproof coffee you had? It's yeah. Like, you know, Fine. what are your goals, like you said? Um, so are people still chasing ketones in your experience? Or? Uh, sometimes ke chasing ketones too. So a lot of times they're just chasing a diet, you know, I need to get my fat in kind of thing or I need to, uh, I felt really bad for this lady. She came to us not too long ago and uh, she was 300 pounds and her guru was telling her, you need to eat fatty cuts of meat. And on top of that, add 12 tablespoons of MCT oil a day. Whoa. And that was the diet, right? And she's gaining weight. And she, after, I don't know how long it was, after just doing nothing but gaining weight, she said, oh, up at the 14. And it just, it just drives you nuts. But that's what's out there. And that's what a lot of these, uh, a lot of them, again, are in carnivore for whatever reason. But that was the space that uh, I was coming from. And, you know, I felt terrible for her that, you know, she, here she is 300 pounds and she's gaining weight. And the only advice they give her is eat more fat. Mm. And it just, it just, uh, I bang my head against the wall sometimes, I swear. Uh, but, and what happened with that lady? Did, was there a happy, you know, she's, following us and she's losing weight and she's doing great. Uh, you know, feels more energy and upping your protein. And that was the other thing I was going to say is, uh, a lot of those people also either underlying or in general, aren't eating enough protein. You know, that mm -hmm. woman, she was in it 12, 14 tablespoons of MC2 all day, but she was only eating 50 grams of protein. Wow. So, Which is probably under the RDA yeah. recommendation, absolute minimum to prevent deficiency, let alone being optimal. Yeah. So once you start cramming in enough protein, satiety kicks in, nutrient density, yeah. you're getting a lot of nutrients with that nutrient protein. You naturally eat less pro fat because you're more satiated by the protein. You know, and, and that was the problem is uh, most of the time when people are forcing the fat, the protein intake goes down because they're just mm. to get all the fat in, they can't eat as much protein. And it's just the exact opposite direction you want to go. Yeah. So, um, I tell that woman, double her protein and, you know, start ditch all the added fat and start there, right? And mm. <laughs> stick with whole food. Yeah, yeah, perfect advice. So, if if there's one thing you could change in keto land going forward, is is there one thing that you'd, you'd say, hey, we need to change this for the future yeah. of keto? Honestly, if I had a magic wand and I could make people like you and Dr. Ted Neiman and us, you know, have the two or three million YouTube followers, okay, <laughs> instead of a lot of the people that have those million followers. That would be a massive shift in the right direction for Keto. <laughs> Let me tell you. Hey, wow, thank you. Um, so 
after the last 15 years or so you've been on this journey, where do you see the trend of keto going in the future? Obviously, it's quite a a fractioned challenge sort of name that a lot of different belief systems fit under and what does keto mean? And it's quite challenging because of so many like little subcultures and communities and beliefs. Where do you think the next five years will be and, and what do you hope for? Yeah, that's a tough one. You know, um, you know, we, again, 20 years ago, we didn't call it keto either, which is kind of low mm. carb, you know, basically follow these kind of principles and, and mm. do great kind of thing uh, and add in some pure protein days occasionally. And mm. then, uh, you know, the way this veered off as it got popular, yeah, it's tough. You know, I wish we could come up with a different name that <laughs> represented, you know, this idea of lower carbohydrate but also lower energy prioritized protein you know kind of thing i don't know yeah, name. ted's done a really nice job of um the pe just yeah which is protein to energy ratio, which is just really simple yeah and um yeah I think, oh, but the the I think you know he does a lot to change the conversation from keto to you know prioritize protein and limit energy and it's kind of what pe is right yeah yeah, and it's just super and wonderful, simple. And I think a lot of the keto gurus are now saying, well, how do I get off the keto trend, which is sort of turning around a little bit, and how do we reinterpret this for the future? So it'll be really fascinating to see what keto looks like in, in five yeah, years I'm, and where it is. And You know, I'm hoping, you know, keto, uh, we'll probably be using in some form keto uh, years to come. I hope the definition or general understanding of what that is mm. shifted. Um, you know, we get it all the time in our groups, you know, like you mentioned, our following is strong because we have, we spend a ton of, there's mm. no off days. We spend a lot of time on our groups and, and supporting people and helping people for free too. But uh, mm. all the time, not daily, I get, you know, well, I've been keto for six months but I'm not losing any weight. What do you have any suggestions? My first mm. comment a hundred percent of the time is what are your macros? Mm. And, and either they won't know, or they're following, you know, really low protein, really high fat because mm. that's their definition of keto. And that's what I hope, you know, we can get to is when people think of keto, they don't think of eating lots of fat mm. and <laughs> being kind of afraid of protein. Yeah. It'll turn the blood, afraid of protein. Protein in your blood. Yeah. Yeah. That's my hope is the, the perception of what keto is shifts. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Um, it's exciting times. I think a lot of things are changing at the moment. So it'd be interesting to see what unravels. So what's going on for you guys in the future? You're um, back in Minneapolis now and uh, living. Yeah. Uh, busy as ever. We got two books in the works. Wow. <laughs> the Sugar Free Kids. That's coming oh, out cool. in August. We're pretty excited about that. Uh, Holly Berry is actually doing the forward to that book. So oh, wow, lovely. Um, and then we're, we actually have, so we have two eBooks that are protein sparing modified fast eBooks. And our publisher wanted us to make that into a published book. Um, yep. And so we're bundling those up, adding like 30 new recipes. And I added like 40 pages of science oh. to the front. And we're making that into a book at, at end of the year, January timeframe. Hmm. And the next one that is a project that can't 100% say what it is uh, with Holly Berry too. So oh wow, pretty excited. That's exciting. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
superstar actress helps with promotion and that that that's great um yeah, yeah it was funny i remember you saying that last one interview we did that uh you know eating maria's food is not so great because it's always you know out in the ice being reconstituted three times for three different meals and by the time you actually get to eat it it's uh, not, not maybe as good as it looks all the time yeah it would be amazing just eating all these meals that maria cooks for the recipe books all the time every day but you know has pros and its cons yeah it's not as you know that steak it had to sit out and she had to cut it and she had to get the lighting right and you know by the time it gets to me it's cold but <laughs> but no it's uh it, it, that is a little bit of a quirk of it. Everybody's like, oh, you get to eat all that. Yeah. So usually leftover or reheated, but yeah, <laughs> so good. But I do want to give her a shout out for her ingenuity because, I mean, some of these, I, I don't know if you've seen some of the recipes we've been putting out here recently, but she's got a, her protein sparing bread has been just blowing up. It's made with uh, just egg whites and egg white protein powder, and it makes it basically like a Wonder Bread. Uh, we just made a tortilla out of that. Uh, we did protein sparing ice cream, which is basically egg whites, hard boiled. It's kind of like the pudding, hard boiled egg whites mm. and uh, almond milk and some sweetener and cocoa, and then mm. put it in the, to churn it, and it makes the creamiest chocolate ice cream. And it's like protein to energy ratio of like six. <laughs> wow! Because it's from the, egg whites. The boys must love eating all her food all the time. Yeah, they definitely uh, like the the benefits of the treats for sure but they're not yeah, they're yeah. not a huge sweet tooth you know we we've always fed them just what we eat the whole foods we eat you know whether it's meat or you know salmon when they're young we pick it apart in little pieces and uh they don't have much of a sweet tooth as, as a result you know mm -hmm. they uh we'll give them a dessert like that like chocolate pudding or whatever and one or two bites they're like yeah i'm good yeah so, yeah, it's amazing once the kids understand real food, they go, oh, that, that junk is junk. I don't really enjoy it. They're sort of not yeah. attracted to it in the same way when they know what real quality food tastes like. And when we sit down after, you know, the, the meat or veggies are delivered or we used to go to the, the markets and get this amazing, robust, quality food, they go, oh, I love yeah. this food. I love eating this way. I'd never want to eat it, eat at Macca's too often. So, yeah, it's Definitely. Cool. They, get, they grow a bigger palate. There's something about if you introduce sugar too early and too often, it kind of shapes their palate to be real narrow, mm. you know, for that flavor profiles. And if you don't, they have a wider, much wider palate. Mm. Yeah. Follow the appetite to yeah. ultimate health. Um, it's been so much fun. Thanks for the time. We're coming up on an hour, which is perfect. Awesome. And really appreciate your time. Say hi to Maria and the boys. And um, yeah, thank you so much, Craig. Thanks, Marty. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks, dude. See ya. Bye. Bye.